how do you become irresistible? Let me ask you a different question. Do you know who you are? I'm trying to figure it out. Like at the core. Hmm. Because knowing who you are and embodying that in everything you do, you won't just become irresistible, you know, sexually, you'll become irresistible as a person. And that's one thing I've found for me in my life has been amazing is that I can connect with anyone and it's because I know who I am. It doesn't start about me knowing other people. It starts with me knowing who I am, what I like, what my actual gift is to the world. Aside from just being attractive, being attractive is, is one thing. If you're, I say this all the time, if you're a 10, but you're a zero on the inside, you're a zero altogether. So being a 10 on the outside is great, but you have to be a 10 on the inside. And that starts with knowing how you work, what you like, all these things. And that's been a, a big thing. So it, it really comes down to actually how you approach someone. Because I'm not sure, have you heard of the term mirroring? Yeah. So I usually mirror people's energy. So if someone comes at me with a 10 energy and they're all over the place, I'll elevate, I'll be there with them. But I also still know at the core how I am as a person and who I am. And so then that changes how I interact with them versus, you know, a lot of people, they don't know what they like. You know, a lot of people are working a job they don't even like. A lot of people live a life that they don't like. And once you find those things out, your life kind of changes and you become irresistible to everyone, not just sexually. How did you discover that? Was there a, a moment that maybe you were trying trying to be something that you were not and things were not working out? Um, you know, I, I have like a logic-based background. I went to school for mathematics and, and economics. You know, so my mind is hardwired with logic. You know, it's not very creative. Uh, at least that's what I thought. And then three years ago when I got here, you know, I'd been part-time modeling. I had been, you know, doing things kind of creatively. But once I got here in Los Angeles and I went full-time as a model and an actor, a creative uh, influencer, whatever you want to classify me as, I really learned what I actually like. You know, I, I went to school for math and I was supposed to work in finance. I didn't like money enough to be in money, if that makes sense. And I learned I like being creative. I like doing stuff that is different every single day. I don't like having a schedule. I hate being a robot. And that's what a lot of our culture is. It's very robotic. It's very repetitive. It's very mundane. It's boring. It's insert your favorite boring word. And that's what it is. And, and I love being someone who is extremely different and just living a different life every day. So, yeah. yeah, you definitely have a lot of that uh, working in our industry. But at the same time, you need to make money. So in your case, you're all the things that you listed, your influencer, your actor model. How do you come from another state, come to L.A. and then are actually able to turn that into a career where you can make money and like make it your thing so you don't have to go do the boring thing? So I'll answer that with a few different parts. Number one, confidence. Confidence is everything. And that goes back to being irresistible. I'm so confident in who I am. I don't have insecurities. I know that anything that I put my mind to, I can pretty much do within reason, of course, yeah. you know. Were you like that always or is that something that you grew into that? It wasn't a light switch. It wasn't just a flick on. It was a build. It was a progressive thing. You know, it was always putting myself in an un uncomfortable situation. Like the way that I ended up here, 
three years ago was I got out of a five-year relationship. Um, my, my family's all on the East Coast, right? I got out of a five-year relationship. I was living in San Francisco at the time. And the logical thing would have been, hey, go be closer to family. But I said, you know what? Why don't I go put myself in the most uncomfortable place possible where there is an endless amount of opportunities and I'm going to force myself to grow. And putting yourself in uncomfortable opportunities, like situations, is really good for you. Like your body actually likes battling adversity. You know, I've traveled all over the world. I've been to uh, Vietnam, Thailand, all over Southeast Asia. I used to live in Australia for a bit. I've been all over Europe. I've put myself in plenty of uncomfortable situations. I'm not saying go walk out into you know the most dangerous part of Los Angeles and ask to get stabbed. That's not going to go well. Mm -hmm. But once you kind of test your boundaries and you really find that you can really do anything as long as you are confident and you're secure with who you are and you're alert, you're smart, you're intelligent, then that, that, that transcends to every other part of your life. So bringing this back to the original question, how did I start making money out here, right? I, I was so confident in my abilities that when I got here, the second day that I got here, I booked a modeling job. I literally got here October 16th, 2019. I remember the day. October 18th, I had a modeling job, booked job. Uh, October 20th, I booked a, a paid gig. Like four days later, I booked, a, booked an even bigger paid gig. And I was like, shit. I can I can make a living doing this. Like I can, I could actually make a like a career as a, as a model. And I had, I didn't know if it was gonna work. It just felt right. And again, that's another thing is energy, feeling. Like it's such an LA thing to be like, oh, like the energy, man. Like how's the energy? Well, it's actually a true thing, and I'm sure that you can relate to that. Mm -hmm. uh, if if energy is good and it's and it feels right, fucking do it, and then put your heart into it and. I'm not even a, a model, actor, influencer, blah, blah, blah. I'm an entrepreneur. That's pretty much what I am, is I know that any of those disciplines that I put my mind to, I'm going to be good at. You can do it. Or I'm going to find a way to be good at it. Yeah, the energy, and going back to the original question of, of how do you become irresistible, because it's something that I've been thinking since we met. We met on, on a shoot, and I was directing this commercial. You were there. And I, like, I saw you from far away, and I was like, okay, that... It's almost like you can recognize, okay, he, he's got the it. He's got something. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got something. like, be, And it goes to what you were saying. It, it's not just because you're ripped and you have good genes. It's like the way you carry yourself and the way you interact. And like you can tell when the camera is coming around and you're not going for the camera, you're going this way. Like I, I could tell that you had experience and that you knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was like, oh, I want to like get to know this guy and like know more about him that whole energy thing i think is so important because it's something that you can actually control it and is. for guys i think it's really hard when you think about oh i'm not tall i'm not strong i'm not handsome i'm not rich i'm not this i'm not an artist i'm not famous but still like your energy is something that you can control and you can learn how to mirror other people and do all of that so i think the art of winning other people over with your energy is something that anyone can learn so what are a couple of tips like if we get to practical things let's say a guy is going on a first date or you're going into a job interview and you're trying to be like magnetic and connect with another person what are some tips and like things that you would tell them i would say number one body language so our communication starts long before either of us open our mouths, right? 
our, our, you said you spotted me at Rafi's. We, we didn't talk, you know, no. we, we had zero Not dialogue, word, right? Yeah. Not a word. But you spotted me. You saw that I was charismatic. You saw that I carried myself in a professional way. Um, obviously, I didn't show up wearing shitty clothes. I looked decent as well. I manicured myself enough, not overly, but all of those little things go into your image. Because as much as we don't want to judge a book by its cover, that's the first step to judging the book. Is like If you like the cover, you're going to open it. And it's funny, I should talk about book covers now that we're talking about that, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'll come back to book covers. I'll come back to book covers. But um, your, your body language is everything. And when I connect so with someone, especially romantically, usually that starts with how I am like physically with them. You know, am I making eye contact with them? Am I actually engaged in what they're saying? Am I listening to them? You know, all these things that you people don't think about. People think about all these stupid minor things. Oh, you know, am I wearing Gucci shoes? You know, like, do I have like a fresh haircut? You know, all these things that are really not super important for the actual like um, outside the aesthetic aspect of it. Um, but yeah, your, your body language is everything. You know, if you make eye contact with someone, especially romantically, actually kind of using your eyes. I mean, that's a big part of acting and modeling anyways is... Using your eyes. It's in the eyes, Chico. Yeah, it's in the eyes, Chico. Yeah, the details in the eyes. The eyes never lie. And so that's a big part of it. Um, I would say number two, also going along with confidence, having the confidence to actually approach someone. We live in a society today where no one wants to approach anyone. People will approach you on your phone all day. I'll send a message to the person I just saw at, at a bar if I got their number or if I got you know, found their Instagram, right? But no one wants to actually walk up to someone and say, hey, how's it going? You know, it's, and it, one of my favorite parts of that is people will ask me like, oh, like, what's your pickup lines? You know, what do you, what do you do? And I'm like, usually I just say hi. And, and that is the most simple way to start a conversation. Because guess what? If the other person is like remotely interested, they'll say hi back. And then it, 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 if it doesn't flow naturally and it feels forced, it's probably not the person you want to be talking to anyways. So, you know, th those are my main two things is uh, body language, which also goes uh, number two with, with confidence. So you mentioned book covers. Book covers. Tell yeah. me about book covers because I hear you're a bit of a pro in that subject. Uh, trying to be pro. Um, so, yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. Judge a book by its cover. Uh, that is part of the modeling industry that I got into uh, I, I would say randomly, but I mean, every, nothing's really random anymore these days. You know, what happens is supposed to happen for you. And I started doing book cover, romance novel covers, just for everyone at home, romance novel covers. I'm on, I'm coming up on my 100th romance novel cover. And uh, that's a pretty cool uh, milestone that I never, never would have imagined when I started doing and this. And I had never met anyone that had done so many. I have worked on a few like not on the cover, but yeah. I have taken the images and then worked on the design of like yeah. three or four, but never met anyone with a hundred romance novel covers. Yeah. So what's the craziest one that you have done? Um, what's funny is like, so most of them, that industry is very male dominant, you know, so no matter if it's a, if it's a, 
a straight story or a gay story or whatever like it is always a, a male is usually on the cover um and then sometimes uh another guy will be on the cover with the guy if it's gay or another girl will be on the cover with the with the guy and so i've been partnered up with other models for different covers but i've also sold plenty just by myself and i don't know if i have a craziest one i mean you know, all of them are different shoots. They're all, it's all going to blow by my head right now of what my craziest one is. But actually this week, so we're, yeah. it's, today's Friday, right? Yesterday I had a shoot uh, with a friend and model of mine, Izzy, and we shot for uh, a couple book covers together. And then the day before that, I actually shot with uh, uh, my best friend, Jeff, yeah. and me and him and, uh, and one of my exes actually we sold a cover together like a three person okay. cover where it's male female male fighting over the same girl okay. so yeah it's a uh, it's kind of a it's a crazy industry man and uh, I again I'm I, I found out so Fabio you know Fabio's like the the OG book cover guy and he's got about 400 something book covers and I was so like you're coming for the record I, I, I don't know if I'm going for the record I just wanted to get to 100 once I found out that it was approachable so we'll see but yeah. uh, in two years actually not even two years I'm almost at 100 so yeah then you're gonna beat that no problem oh uh, let's see we'll so see so I remember when we connected I was like man you should be like the lead on the next like no book or like some kind of romance something because you have that that energy about you so tell me about your experience with acting and the films that you have been part of and how is that going for you yeah um so acting is you know modeling came very natural to me modeling i don't want to say it was easy because nothing's easy but like modeling became especially book cover modeling it became so like i mean i can do i can do this all day i can stare at the camera blue eyes you know blue steel I can make that expression very easy. Acting is something I really had to work at. I started taking classes for about a year and a half uh, before I started actually auditioning or you know taking real auditions, and uh, and then I started booking. I signed with an agent and uh, and I did a, a couple low budget films. You know, like one's a shark movie, one's a like a Jurassic movie, not the actual Jurassic Park, but a similar Jurassic movie. And then uh, over the last six months or so, I've started booking more and more and more. And I did, a, I shot a whole indie feature film that I'm actually the male lead in, and that is a, a romance. So you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, and that one, uh, I'm not sure when it's going to be coming out because indies take they're either really fast or they take forever to, to you know go through post-production and they're in post-production right now so we'll see uh, another one I just shot uh, I'm not sure if where it's gonna end up but it's produced by Lifetime and uh, we'll see if that ends up on Lifetime if that ends up on Netflix mm -hmm. uh, we'll see that that one was a major supporting role and that one's like a cheerleader murder movie so I played the uh, the head of like the cheer, like kind of like the athletic director. I played okay. the athletic director that oversees the cheer department. Okay. And uh, were that, you the evil guy? I don't know. We'll have to see the movie. Okay. But yeah, I'm the, feeling evil, evil vibes. I, that I, one. I I play evil really well, actually. Um, yeah. I did a. I had an audition. I didn't get the role, but I had an audition for this uh, movie that pretty much my character ended up being a serial killer, and. And what's funny is, like I said, acting it didn't come natural for me. And some auditions, they don't come natural for me. I really have to work at them. Mm -hmm. This one, I learned my lines. I shot it in one take. And my, my first take was my like 
I was like, that was my audition. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I got all the way to the end, and it was between me and another guy. And they picked another guy because he, he looked a little younger than me. They wanted him to be, like, 21. Mm-hmm. And I had, had had a beard at the time. So, anyways, I didn't get it. But I found out that that was something that I was actually good at. So, I, I don't know what that says about me. You know, if I can play sinister serial killer roles. But yeah. that's, you know, good to know. And then, uh, coming up. So, I'll give myself a little plug here. Um there's a movie that I'm working on January through March of next year, of 2023. And it's called Gone with the Fire. And this is the movie that I am definitely most excited about. And my role in that is I am a major, uh, major supporting actor. And the movie is based in New Orleans, Louisiana. And it's about a black trans woman who falls in love with a white cis male. And it's a very conservative area, like super conservative. And the guy that she falls in love with is actually the son of like a very conservative senator. And so it causes all this controversy that they are like dating and stuff. And I am playing the role of that of that guy's best friend. And I I can't say too much about my character. My character's name is Wayton Walker. But uh, my character is that he's that guy that you fall in love with. He's like that supporting did you ever see uh, Outer Banks? Yeah. Okay, so you know uh, John B is the main, the lead. And then you have the And then JJ. Mm-hmm. JJ you fall in love with. Everyone yeah. loves JJ, right? I'm kind of the JJ of this movie. And mm-hmm. so I really love my character. He's very whimsical. He's very kind of go with the flow. And that's uh, I'm excited for that role. So That's really cool. Coming soon. That's awesome. Yeah. So you were talking about auditions and how you have to like do all these auditions and then... You, it gets to the end and they don't pick you because you had a beer or whatever. Right. So I have a lot of actor friends. I help my friends with their auditions. They send me auditions to take a look at it and give them some feedback. And I've also been on the other side of like, I've, I've been on a van driving scouting locations mm-hmm. and they send the casting options from the studio. And I see like big directors and executive producers they look at it for like three minutes five seconds yeah, yeah. <laughs> while we were driving in the in the backwoods of georgia yeah. going to see a location and they kind of make a decision because they have to shoot in three days and they have 300 other problems yeah so they can't really like it's not personal because they can't really have all the time of the world to analyze the nuance and all of that right right so how do you feel about the process of having to do auditions and failing over and over and over again when you're doing so many auditions to do like one booking, but you have to offer so many? Right. Without sounding uh, cheesy, you know, it's, it's failing forward. You know, all these times that you don't get it, you are at the very least getting the experience of auditioning. You are getting in front of a casting director who might not want you for that project, but they might think of you, you know, three weeks later, three months later, and be like, oh, you know, I saw this, I saw this kid, like, well, let me go back to it. And they might cast you without you even having to audition. And that actually, that's actually what happened to me in the Cheerleader Murder movie that's going to be coming out, is I had auditioned for another role, the casting director liked me, and was like, and then I didn't get that, but then like a week later, he was like, hey... I'm going to put you on this project and I didn't even audition for it. So, um, so that's another thing is like every, every opportunity you have, there's something to be drawn from there. And as much as I, I would say the theatrical casting side of things I'm okay with. Like, I think that the way they do things process wise is fine. 
commercial. I do a lot of commercial acting as well. I'm not a huge, huge fan, if I'm being honest, with where the commercial casting process is. Because nowadays, because of self-tapes, it almost seems like they have you film the entire commercial as your audition tape. And it is time-consuming. It is overly meticulous and they're like very specific about certain things and it's like for a commercial if you can't tell in the first 10 seconds if you want me or not is why am i filming a two and a half minute thing to show that i can memorize a script or to show that i'm like it's it's overdone so i would say from the commercial side i wish that it was a little more like hey let's have you slate do a quick read you know whatever that's also me not saying i'm lazy i just I have limited time and I don't want to waste my time on something that, you know, if I have a 2% chance to get it anyways, the more you do of those that take up time, that's one thing. But yeah. on the theatrical side, I will definitely say this. So one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Bill Dorfman, he's a, he's a good friend of mine and, uh, and he's become a, a mentor to me. And he, uh, he's, he taught me this, he said this to me and it, it's, it's stuck with me ever since he said it to me is whenever you get an opportunity, a big opportunity, don't take it, master it. And that really lingered, lingered with me. You know, that really stood out to how I've kind of approached everything now. And I met him, you know, a couple months ago, and it, it's been impactful to know that instead of just having an opportunity present itself and then doing the best you can when it comes up, really squeezing all the juice out of you can out of something and knowing that you put your all out there and whatever happens happens and that's how i am with auditions now or just meeting someone in general if i know that i gave my all i did the best i can i don't i don't take it personally if i don't get the job but i know that i made an impact on that person's life and it could eventually come back to help me or help someone else i'm connected with or help them who knows, right? But really mastering an opportunity. And, and that's become a really big thing for me in my modeling career. And it's actually been something that I've been doing without knowing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, uh, I'll tell a, a small story here. So there was, there was a casting for, I think it was for ASOS. It was, a, it was a modeling job that was like shooting about two, over two years ago. And I met up with the photographer who was also helping cast for the project. Uh, over coffee, you know, he was like, hey, do you want to just meet up and get coffee? We'll talk about the project. We'll take digitals, whatever. I met, met up with him uh, up in this area, actually, and uh, we talked about everything but the project. We talked about food. We talked about traveling. We just vibed. We had a good time. And then at the end, he was like, all right, let's, let's take some digitals and whatever. I didn't get the job. But like a week later, he was like, hey, I'm shooting for this uh, fashion editorial. Do you want to do you want to be the model? And I was like, Absolutely. Well, I became friends with him and the stylist and the makeup artist that were on set. And then that makeup artist hooked me up with another photographer. And then that photographer was shooting for something bigger. And it built and built and built. And then that stylist got me like runway shows and different brand deals. And it, it kept building. And that domino effect kept going. And now something that's really cool is I am working on a fragrance campaign that I'll be doing at the end of the year which is a really big deal in the modeling world to get your own fragrance campaign, right? Mm -hmm. And I met up with uh, with the owner of the fragrance uh, brand about a little over a month ago. And he asked me, he was like, hey, like, you know, I want you for this project, like you're gonna be the lead for this. Do you have any photographers that like, come to mind that you can think of that would be good to shoot this? And I was like, I do, I know exactly who. 
and I went went right back to where it started and connected with the same guy that you had coffee with. Yeah, exactly. And that's the impact of of the of mastering an opportunity as opposed to just taking an opportunity, showing up and then weaving. Mm-hmm. And I got the biggest domino effect that came full circle. And that's that's the coolest part of what I do. And that's why I love what I do is like you meet so many cool people that stay that actually fucking care about you and you care about them. You guys level each other up and that's that's the best part of what I do. Yeah. yeah. 100%. And I think the most interesting and special moments that I've had in my career have been because I was there like at four in the morning. It's freezing cold or it's raining or super hot. And I'm there with guys that we have been through hell and back together to make a show or, or make a, an episode. Yeah. And like those people that you can call on later. And that's very interesting. So, so far you have been in LA for about three years. And this is a question that comes up all the time. Like, do you need to be in LA to make it in this career? What's your take on that? That's a good question. Um, it's funny. I have model friends and actor friends that are all over the country, right? Uh, I was actually on the phone with one of them uh, about a week ago who lives in Oklahoma City, which is like, you know, there's no modeling out there. There's very little mo- modeling out there. And he was asking me, he was like, dude, like, if I really want to make it, like, in, as a model and actor, like, sh- should I move to LA? And I was like, well, are you submitting out here? And he was like, you know, kind of. And, I was like, well, that's the best part about being here is like, I, I have agents that submit me all day. I have, I, I think I have somewhere between 10 and 12 agents all over the country that submit me for different jobs. But I also still book about 70% of the stuff myself and from doing self submissions. And I'm submitting myself in LA, I'm submitting myself in New York, I'm submit, submitting myself in Boston, where I'm originally from. And I submit myself as a local because I know that if I can book the job and I have a place to stay and I can hop on a flight to get there, then I can be a local. That's all you really need to be to be a local as opposed to sleeping there. If it was a rush call tomorrow, of course, it's not going to work. But most things aren't shot like that. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I don't think you need to be here to make it as a model and actor. It definitely ups your chances by probably five times of booking jobs because you're here, you're able to go to an in-person casting for or a meeting over coffee. Uh, just before this, I had a meeting with, uh, a business meeting with for a brand deal for this really cool, I can't talk about the product, but for this really cool product. And we just had a meeting over coffee. That meeting wouldn't have happened if I lived in Oklahoma City. Yeah. So being here definitely opens up opportunity for you. And also, there's like a different vibration about Los Angeles. You know, I know that you feel that as well. Like. Mm-hmm. Everyone here that is actually like doing something, you kind of find each other, mm-hmm. case in point, yeah. <laughs> case in point, and, and you kind of elevate each other, you lift each other up, and mm-hmm. it, that's the coolest part about it, is like, the number of people that I'm connected to, that I have in my network, network that I can call, like, hey dude, like, I need a reader right now, like, do you want, can you come over, or like, hey, like, um, need a ride to the airport you want to give me a ride like those things matter so i would say if, if you're really serious about doing this be here so earlier you said something that was super interesting that you see yourself as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. which i love that not many actors have that mindset yeah you're working with brands you're doing the campaigns you're doing the modeling but now you're having business meetings and i love that you frame it that way so in your case you have a large following on social media 
let's talk about that pros and cons how did you get to that level and what are you doing right now to leverage that to turn that into more awareness more money more cool. connections yeah um so i'm gonna start with the business meeting thing it's funny because uh you know a couple of my friends will give me shit for saying that oh i'm going to a meeting or i'm going to an event and I consider a meeting that you're, you know, if you're meeting with someone that you're going to potentially do something business oriented with that might not even be now or within three weeks or three months, but in the future, like something could happen. I consider those business meetings because you are, and not, 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 not to make it like boring, business meeting sounds boring, mm-hmm. but like I look at it with a business mind of like, all right, I'm not going to force my agenda into this. But I'm going to go into this meeting, again, to squeeze everything out of this that I possibly can. I'm going to go there. If, if I just need to be me and just go be a positive, ha- happy person to the person that I'm meeting with, that is a little bit of business. You know, that, that has mm-hmm. business attached to it because that person then thinks of you in a certain way that then could potentially lead to something in the future. Mm-hmm. So I will say that, again, if you want to take yourself seriously as, a, as an actor, as a model, as an entrepreneur, you have to approach things with knowing that you are always representing your brand. So your brand has to be on point. Um, but going back to the influencing thing, I just had to touch on that because you brought it up. Yeah. The influencing thing, yeah, so that's a, that's a crazy part of this industry, right? Is uh, being active on social media, not even being active, being proactive on social media, you know, making content regularly. What's great as a model is 95% of the content that I put out there is stuff that I either shot on set, that was shot by a professional or shot by me on my phone or shot by you know, one of the stylists that was just shooting something, whatever. Um, so creating content and staying relevant is super important. And it also goes with branding yourself. I mean, that's honestly the biggest brand representation you have of yourself is your social media. Mm-hmm. And I'd say for my followers that really know, know me and like have been with me for long enough, they know pretty much who I am as a person, not all of the intricate things that, you know, someone who is in an intimate relationship with me would find out, but they know like at my core, I am just the happy guy that I portray, you know, happiness Mm -hmm. is a really big thing for me. And, uh, actually this morning I put a thing on uh, my Instagram story about happiness and, uh, I I could talk about, you know, kind of mentally, how that works uh, forever because everyone always asks me like, oh, you know, you're so happy all the time. Like, how do you stay so happy? Blah, blah, blah. And it's really, it goes to like just being, it's, it's a choice. Happiness is a choice. I, I could look at this glass and, say, glass and say it's half full or half empty, right? It's actually almost empty or it's almost needing to be filled, right? Yeah. Um, and how I, and my perspective of, of that is changes everything. If I have a bad day, of course, feel those crappy feelings. You know, when you're sad, it's okay to feel sad because that elevates your happiness because that makes happiness real. But if you are, you know, if you're just like one of those people that's like, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong in the world. Like everything's fine. Like that's great. If that works for you, great. But that's most of the time that's artificial happiness. That is you pushing everything under, sweeping everything under a rug and just kind of not actually being present and being aware because self-awareness is, 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 is huge. And for me, I, cho- I usually choose to look at something and find a silver lining. And that's actually helped me with my modeling and acting. I know that when I don't get a job, I could be pissed. If, if I got th- to the end of a casting, you know, cause some of these jobs, I've literally had an audition, 
a second audition, a callback, a chemistry read, and a second chemistry read, and then got through all of that and then found out I didn't get the job. I could either be devastated and be like, fuck this industry, man, like, that's, that's, that's stupid, or I could be like, well, I just literally showcased everything I possibly could, I did really well, I know that this is going to lead to something someday, and that is your mindset, that is how you choose to look at something, it's finding silver linings in everything in your life, so... Uh, talking about my brand and especially what I put out there on social media, I love just being a source of positive happiness, like happy light to people. I know that that does a lot for people and I derive happiness from other people's happiness. That's an, a, one of my ways is knowing that if I can make someone else's day better, then it makes my day better. So um, from, from that aspect of social media, how you represent yourself and doing all, and everything is, is huge because what you put out there is what you get back. And social media can be super toxic, right? So if you put out really, you know, negative or a non-genuine version of yourself, you're probably gonna get non-genuine reactions back, or you're gonna probably not like the reaction you get back because you're not even putting yourself, like a real version of yourself out there. So that is important because otherwise you're gonna sell your soul to the devil and you're gonna do stuff that you're not gonna wanna do and the social media thing's gonna be toxic for you. But actually making, to go back to the other part of your question, making money doing social, social media, that's a, that's a case by case basis. Cause that is finding out your value, you know, figuring out what you actually bring to the table and your value, selling your value to other brands or people that would actually pay you for social media posts, like, you know, a watch company, a jewelry company, a shirt company, a jacket company, mm -hmm. whatever. And, being able to professionally display that is huge. And that's, that's a very hard thing to teach, but it all goes back to kind of what we started this conversation with, which is uh, confidence and self-awareness and just knowing who you are. Because if you know who you are, everything else is so much easier in life, especially influencing and social media. Yeah. So do you have any instances where it's hard to separate Eric, the public persona from Eric, the person in social media and specifically with you meet people and maybe you're interested in someone or they're interested in you, then they see your social media that could create friction or it could be amazing because they could be like, oh, he has so many followers. They could be attracted to that, right. but it could also be a deterrent because it's like, well, he's always going to be posting pictures on underwear and doing this and right. acting this way so how has it been your experience for with that so far yeah that's a that's a good question um so i am what's what i'm blessed with and what, what my favorite reaction is is when i meet people in person that just know me from social media and they're like oh you're you're just like you are on social media in person um i've actually made a lot of like friends with people that have either become fans of mine or that just connected with me on there and then have met them in person and then, you know, developed a cool friendship or professionalship or whatever. And so I, I love that aspect of it is that's why I say if you can genuinely represent yourself, I don't think you have to publicly share everything. I, that, that's one thing where I think we're at a kind of a point of oversharing where people are too like, you know, here's my entire resume and everything that I do and my day-to-day -day schedule and who I'm dating. And it's like, it's like, okay, wh where do you have your private things that don't need to be displayed? Because for me, I usually keep most of my dating 
stuff private. I don't, I don't want to display that to the world to, to gawk at necessarily and make mm-hmm. judgment on because the most important things to me in my life are usually the things that I do in private. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's family, it's loved ones and stuff like that. And that has been a... I will, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It hasn't been the easiest thing to always like express that because again, your partner might not always be down with you being like, "Hey, like I want to kind of like keep us as much Private. off of here as possible." Because my the, the five year relationship that I was in, uh, or I should say four and a half year, or whatever uh, that I was in before I moved down here, uh, we were very public with, with our relationship. Everyone knew that we were dating, and everyone. I was like, oh, like you guys are perfect. Like you know, you look perfect together. Like we had a very, um, you know, beautiful existence, uh, traveling around the world together, and all these glamorized things. Uh, so then when uh, we broke up, all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, what happened? What happened? Like you know, and like and what? Luckily at the time, I wasn't like a public figure. You know, I didn't have as as many followers as I do now, or like as many people that cared. But if I did, people could have then started making up stories and being like, oh, I heard this happen. I heard this happen. And that's just, at that point, that's so toxic for you mentally. Like then going to sleep at night, that's not fun. Yeah. Was that what made you, after that, reconsider and and decide to be more private? It did, actually. Um, It absolutely did. And my relationship that I was in after that was kind of like an on and off two year relationship, but it was a, uh, it was the best relationship of my life so far. It's uh, when I actually found out what love was and I found out, uh, you know, I found out so much about myself by falling in love with this person and keeping most of our life private. And that person was okay with, with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of course it, it poses problems because in yeah. today's society, how much of your life can you actually keep off of social media? Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing the best you can with that is definitely, uh, it, it was important, especially for me at the time. And, uh, and I still try to practice that, you know, as much as I can now I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm more lenient now, but I try not to, th- I don't, this sounds crazy. I don't think that much. Like I, I don't live up here, I live here. Mm-hmm. So if it feels right to like share something or talk about something that's very personal to me publicly, I will. Otherwise, um, I try to keep uh, things private. Yeah. yeah, and it's very tricky. I'm, I'm surprised that you use more of a feeling rather than a logical mind to that. Because when you break it down is your Instagram is a huge denominator of your business success mm-hmm. so if you do something like out of line or like whatever and th- with these things you never know like whenever something gets posted that causes problem whoever posted it they didn't mean yeah. to cause that so i'm like it's something that i'm thinking about more and more because i i recently i got divorced and separated mm-hmm. a few years ago i have two kids and i tried to share my kids because they're I love them and they're part of my life and I also want people to know who I am and all yeah. that in my case like my following is way smaller but I'm wanting to build a brand and I want to be well known I want to be a, a big public figure and I'm asking you this question honestly Eric because like yeah. I'm trying to figure out like how to do it in one side like I would love to be in a relationship with someone that I can share but at the same time I understand your point and I keep a lot of things private because it could cause problems and like 
with me it's a little bit more specific because it's more film and production so i don't yeah. have to share so much myself yeah but i also use my image and, and my my looks because i i want to do some acting and i've done a little bit of modeling i want to stay with production but i also want to be well known mm. so it's so complicated man it's not easy right and and i'll ask you what feels right if you can actually ask yourself axel that's a tongue twister <laughs> Like, does it feel right to share this part of my life with the public? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, then don't. Because otherwise you'll be thinking about it when you're trying to go to sleep at night. You'll be thinking about it when you're supposed to be paying attention in that very important meeting that you have. Mm -hmm. And you'll think about these. I mean, all of, a lot of the anxiety, I'm not a psychologist, so take this with a grain of salt. But a lot of the anxieties that people have are stuff that they have built up in their own head because they're always thinking they're they're always over analyzing and like and it's funny because i have a math background so this is this is the i should be that person and i'm the opposite and i say this to uh, i've said this to my my best friends i've said this to uh people i've been in a relationship with i'm like turn your brain off like just be here with me right now does this feel right like, and that is one of my greatest gifts. Talk about being self-aware, talk about being confident. I am extremely great at being present. I'm really good at being in the moment and whoever I'm with, bringing them into the moment that I'm in. Yeah, and, that, yeah. that's something I'm learning. It's always learning. Trying it's, it's to learn. Not perfect. Yeah, because I'm a very intellectual person. Like I think a lot about ideas, communication, words, like, I used to live in my head a lot, mm -hmm. now less because I've had experiences and I've grown and I think the older you get, the more you realize that things don't matter as much. So the feeling and what you're saying matters a bit more, mm -hmm. but also people have different personalities. There are people that are more analytical and all that. So I know that you train and you work a lot, uh, you work out a lot because that's part of like keeping your body and all that. Uh, but also we met doing this commercial for Rafi Lounge, yeah. which is a, a wellness center, a wonderful place. And there was a lot of like workout, but then also Tai Chi and meditation and like all of this, like not self-care, self-care, but from from a very spiritual side. So let's talk a little bit about that. It's. Honestly, like I never talked about this kind of stuff in the podcast. So it's, I'm it's, here for it. Yeah, so <laughs> it's interesting because you were also saying that, oh, in LA, the energy and this and that. So uh, it's something that is around in our industry. People try to be spiritual, but sometimes it's hard to know, are they being genuine? Do they really, you know, because like we live in this city where... You go to Malibu and you have this experience and then you come to West Hollywood and you have this other yeah, experience. it's like totally different. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I feel like we live in, in both. Yeah, it's like, you have to. So tell me a little bit about your experience so far, which I bet has been different from my experience and I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure we have a lot of synergies and similarities. So uh, spirituality, like you said, uh, there's, a, there's a fine line. Uh, or maybe it's a blurry line. I don't know. But spirituality, some people are like overly spiritual and overly like star sign oriented. And like, and I don't think that that is spirituality at all. I like, I like, I, uh, 
It's funny. I, I, I was vibing with this, this person when I was uh, on set filming a, a video. And um, anyways, we, we had a good vibe. We vibed for like two and a half hours, right? Yeah. And then like one of, her, one of her friends came over and was like, hey, like, what's your star sign? And I was like, for what it's worth, I'm an Aquarius. And Why? No, you were not supposed to tell. You need to have people guessing the whole time. Oh, it's okay. But yeah, and and, and so I uh, and so I said that, and she like took a step back. And she's like, oh, this would this would never work. And I'm like, you're fucking kidding, right? Like this is. This. It has been working for yeah, all this time. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? You're kidding, right? And so, anyways, that is not spirituality. That is like, it's almost like a very closed-minded. Like if you actually use star signs to make decisions if that works for you in life by all means go but for it dude like i'm i'm with you there but i have to be honest i used to not believe in any of that at all yeah. I, I grew up as a christian evangelical then after college i changed my faith and my belief and all that i never believed in any of the starts any yeah. of that then i meet some people and like my roommate abraham he starts showing me these videos and he's like I don't even know if I believe in it or not, but then you listen to the videos and like they have some, at least some descriptions of like, if you're the an person. Aquarius, yeah. they will give you like all of these things that match so well to the personality. Yeah. And sometimes we would watch videos that they say, well, in the next past week or the uh, this week or the following week, this and this and this and this might happen. And we're like, yeah, how do they know? It might. And it's connecting the dots. Yeah, really but man, I'm telling you, Eric, it has been like, I don't believe in yeah. this crap. Yeah. And I don't want to even call it crap. <laughs> now I'm like, <laughs> I don't believe in this stuff, but I'm there, starting there, to believe in this stuff. It's yeah. like, well, they read this thing and it's like, it matches the personality so well. Like whenever I read one with my sign and yeah. I'm not going to say my sign because I love to make people guess. Let's guess this sign. <laughs> <laughs> it matches so well mm -hmm. that I don't know if it's true or not, if it works or not. But I agree with you. We should not make decisions based on that. Yeah. But it's like part of the the culture here very much. Very much. At least with introductions and the, the first couple times that you interact with people. Right. Especially around uh, like being interested romantically in someone. Mm -hmm. There's some people who put a lot of importance on that. Yeah, they do. But do you think that is because people in LA, we have this external culture and everyone, like everyone who's not from here, they usually have this mindset of like, oh, people in LA are hollow or they're just, they just care about the outside. They're going to use you. Yeah. But then I, I've been living here and I have met some of the most wonderful, genuine people that I've met in my entire life. And I've lived in like Cuba, mm -hmm. then I lived in Tennessee, I lived in Atlanta, then I came here. So I, I've been around different parts of the world and the US, yeah. and some of the most amazing people that I've ever met were here. And, and Axel, I'll tell you that your ability to meet these amazing, genuine people is a representation of who you are. It's not a representation of, I mean, again, I think we can use star if, if we want to really go in, in that route. I think star star signs might be able to help explain like why things happen or why people are well connected or whatever. But it is not like an actual like decision based explanation. I think it's like it's kind of like supplements in the health and fitness industry. Mm -hmm. It's like five percent, you mm -hmm. know, like health and uh, fitness, like physique 
is gym, eating, sleeping, and then supplements. It is like that final 5%. I think that that's probably where I sit on it is like star signs is like maybe like that 5% explanation of why things are the mm -hmm. way they are. But you meeting genuine, amazing people out here, I've had the same experience. Like, I, like, again, you could say that LA is very shallow and a lot of people here are very shallow. And there are, if you want to look, you don't even have to look that hard. You can find those people very easily if you go to certain clubs or certain areas of Los Angeles. And you'll find those people that are literally just going to try and meet you, find a way to exploit you and level themselves up and then move on. And it's kind of like the, like when you're shaking someone's hand thing and then they're like looking around the room to see who else has hand they can go shake. That's what a lot of Los Angeles is. But you don't attract that energy because you don't give it out. If you gave out that energy, you would get it back. But instead, you give out good energy, and that's what, what you attract. And so, I mean, law of attraction right there. It's, a, it's really uh, a manifestation of what you want and what you get. So uh, I agree with you on that, um, on that front that the people that you meet, you are – in some way, shape, and form supposed to meet, but you also made that event happen for yourself. It didn't just happen because it was supposed to happen. Yeah. So how do you feel about moving forward? You're going to keep acting, keep growing your brand. How are you going to think about your relationships and your circle of friendships? And this is something that I, I think about mm -hmm. often because I'm afraid to overextend myself with friendships and relationships. Uh, I have been in business situations where I got screwed over and I lost projects and I lost money because I trusted someone and I have a very trusting personality. We, we both have that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that I worry about a little bit, but at the same time, I think, well, I'm, I just need to keep meeting people and making connections. But also, I feel sometimes like we keep trying to make a new connection all the time, mm -hmm. hoping that some other person is going to bring the success to our career that we haven't attained yet. Yeah. And at the same time, I feel like we almost don't need many more people in our close circle to actually accomplish what we want. Yeah, I think you're probably very similar to me that I care more about quality over quantity. So my circle, like my actual immediate circle of people that I can trust no matter what, is very, very small. I have a circle outside of that, that is my connections and, and all of that, but those are not the people that I'm gonna go to like, hey, uh, like I, I need you, man. Like, you, you, can you help me out? Those aren't the people for that. Those ones are like, hey, like I just got this, like, and I'll do this all the time. Cause like, I think that a lot of us, especially out here in Los Angeles, a lot of people act with expectation that it's going to help them. But if you just act without, without expectation, if you just do something for someone because it feels right, like I, the, num the number of jobs that I've gotten for like other models out here because I was like, you know, someone reached out to me like, hey, do you have a, a model friend that, uh, you know, fits this description? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Here, let me connect to you. I don't, I'm not going to gain anything from that aside from making a connection for other, someone else. Mm -hmm. and, or like, you know, you meet someone in person. If you meet someone and you think, okay, what can I get from you versus how can we benefit like from just knowing each other, like whether that is a financial benefit, a career benefit, or just like a spiritual energy benefit, sometimes you just need to meet someone that makes you happy or makes you laugh. Yeah. And so those are like the genuine things that I, I try and focus on because actually when I focus on that, my career has actually grown more. Versus when I'm focusing on like if I walk into an event and I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to talk to five people here. I'm going to try and get a brand deal. Like it's going to go great. Nothing happens. Yeah. But if I walk into a place, I'm like, sick, let's have a good time and meet some people and talk. It works great. You know, like the thing we did at Rafi's Lounge, uh, I mean, honestly, Rafi's Lounge in, in general is one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. I actually call it Rafi Lounge because I always mispronounce it. I'm sorry, Rafi. But uh, yeah, Rafi Lounge in general is a place that I have made some amazing connections that are some people that are just are people to me that are just a human. And some of them have bu- built into projects or relationships and that's been a really cool thing about that that place and you know the energy of that place you walk in and you're just immediately kind of like disarmed you know you walk in you're like like and that's like the best part of going there is there's not very many places like that you talked about being in west hollywood Mm -hmm. i would say there's zero places i can walk into in west hollywood like a public place and be like I walk in there, I'm like, okay, guard up, you know, like gotta be on. And so that's the best part about that place. And, uh, yeah, the connections I've made there case in point right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I want to do more of those connections and that's why I have the podcast and I'm trying to meet new people who are interesting, but also genuine and have that kind of connection. So Eric, this is something that I ask everyone, if you could do anything with your life, and money's not an issue, time is not an issue, what would you do? Everyone says travel, and I don't think a lot of people mean that, but I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to, I'm 28 years old, and after, at the end of this month, I will have gone to 32 countries in my 28 years, and uh, I'm traveling after this. <laughs> um, and traveling is something that really sets my soul on fire. Like I love, I mean, I explained that at, at, towards the beginning of this podcast. I love putting myself in uh, new situations, new cultures, having to experience like a very raw version of a different part of the world. So I really would travel uh, as much as I could until it felt like it was a very glaring thing that I said, okay, I should probably stop. And that's why, like, you know, like, just being honest with myself, I, I never know, like, all right, is, should I be in a relationship right now? Probably not, because, and that's a very hard self-realization to come to, is, like, should I be, like, in a committed one-on-one relationship right now? Usually, for, like, usually people won't actually ask themselves that question, or if they do, they'll lie and be like, oh, yeah, Absolutely. I'm traveling all over the damn place. I never know where I'm going to be at the end of the week versus where I start the week. I have goals to go all over the place. I'm happy alone. And that's another thing. I think that one thing that makes you irresistible is being happy by yourself and then letting someone else enhance that happiness. Because everyone tries to externally drive happiness it's it's a very toxic thing because if you're always getting energy and happiness from other people then where what are you when no one else is around and that's a very lonely place if you, if you're not self-aware self self-controlling so um anyways getting off on a tangent here but yeah travel would be uh would be my main thing that I would really just probably do until I couldn't stop and uh you know, this month I'm going to Portugal, Spain, Croatia, and Poland, and uh, just want to keep seeing more of the world because eventually there's not gonna there's gonna gonna come a point in my life that I'm not gonna be able to, 
and I always want to do as much as I can before I get there. I really want you to check out this interview with my friend Peter Hurley. Peter is the best headshot photographer in the world and in the episode he teaches me and you how to look amazing on every photograph and also how to look confident all of the time. Check out that episode, it's really good.